Hello and welcome to another episode of Out of the Ordinary. You're with me, Jack, again today for episode four of series two. This time, I have another special guest I'm talking to for this very special episode, Women and Autism. I'd like to introduce my guest for this episode today, the very lovely, wonderful, talented and very special Laura. Hello, Laura. Are you there? Hello. Hello. You can hear me. I can hear you. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Fantastic. Thank you so much for joining. I'm really glad to have you. Oh, I'm honoured, honestly. Thank you. <laughs> no one's ever said that to me before. <laughs> um, how are you doing? Are you all right? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Yeah, the weather's good. hot, but I'm all right. It is very hot, and I'm sure everyone who's listening to this, if they're in the UK, will be experiencing some form of heat. Yeah. Uh, heat issues at the moment. It is a very, very hot day, but... We'll do our best to stay cool as we discuss all things autism together. Um, I obviously, full disclosure, I know you somewhat personally. Yep. Um, you know, and I think I'll just put that out there. We're not complete strangers. But we both have very different experiences of what autism means to us, I'm sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and I'm very, very keen sort of today for this particular episode to talk about actually a side of having autism alongside your life that perhaps is different in ways that I maybe won't completely uh, understand or relate to but but actually you more insight into into that and and of course I think one of the biggest reasons I wanted to do this particular topic as an episode is because in all honesty uh, in the kind of autism kind of world in the autistic community there are still a lot of misconceptions there's a lot of stereotypes around what it's like for women to be diagnosed and to live with autism and I think that's such an important topic to talk about because let's be honest you know a lot of a lot of the audience listening to an autism podcast will be women too and I think it's it's very important that they get kind of yeah they, they feel more understood they feel a little bit more kind of that that it's it's including them too because I think a lot of the time when we talk about autism it reflects some kind of behaviors or traits uh, that are typically more kind of commonly associated with men but yeah you know I think it's really important that we do that so um like I do generally with every episode I do come at it with some kind of research materials which I'll cover um in fact what I want to do first though really is just kind of I guess talk a little bit about you I'm going to throw a question out there kind of okay. straight straight away. If I were to ask you, I guess the first question would be, in your own words, how has autism played a role in your life? Answer that however you want. I know that's quite a broad question, but yeah, I'd be very so, interested to hear. Um, I had a very late diagnosis. So I was only diagnosed um, three years ago mm-hmm. um, when I had a meltdown. Um, yeah. It was a... A severe meltdown that involved you know a suicide attempt um mm-hmm. and autism sort of wasn't recognized until I had that chat with the psychologist and then they were like actually we recognize this in you and you know we believe you're autistic and I was like oh okay because I'd been diagnosed with another um I don't want to say condition but another sort of challenge I'm- I know what you mean, yeah, kind of another... I suppose kind of, it's just another challenge because... A challenge, yeah. A challenge yeah, is quite I mean, a good, yeah. you know, some challenges you can overcome. Obviously, being autistic, you can't. 
No, of course. Yeah. But it was, yeah, I sort of lived alongside this other challenge. And then they were like, actually, we see more autistic sort of side in you. And I was like, oh, mm. okay, you know, fair enough. And then that's how I got my diagnosis. So obviously, when you first hear the word diagnosis, it can be different for everybody. Mm-hmm. I kind of soaked it up. Okay. Um, like a sponge and sort of researched everything I could because obviously I'd heard about autism yes. over the years and you know back when I was a child you know I'm 37 so back when I was a child it wasn't sort of recognized as an actual thing it was just like oh you're being difficult mm-hmm. yeah. yeah so mm-hmm. as an adult it's really interesting to learn how that's changed absolutely and I was going to say to you about the you know when they kind of came out with that word autism Mm. um because i know everyone will have a different kind of reaction to that that initial conversation i know that mine was very much kind of i guess i think mine was actually denial Mm. mine was like no 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 you got that wrong like that can't be it like no no and and it's i wonder how you it's i mean obviously i I love the way you described that you absorbed it like a sponge because that is such an autistic thing to do (laughs) i do that i do that with new information or new things i just love to just absorb them like a big squeezy sponge um i'm just wondering how that made you feel when somebody first said the word and and then applied that to you what emotions did that bring up or what kind of thoughts popped into your head when they said that do you know this will probably come as a bit of a shock because when I first you know they sort of said you know you're autistic and I just went okay then you know that's fine and then I I didn't process it at the time because I have delayed processing anyway okay so I didn't process it at the time I went away and I researched it I soaked it all up Mm. and it just something clicked in my head and it just made sense and I just felt this sense of relief that I wasn't crazy and I wasn't like making things up like this was actually a part of me Mm. and it just it was actually like a comfort blanket in a really weird way and I'm probably the I don't know if I'm the first autistic person to ever say that I'm probably not I'm sure you're not no but it's it's just it I, I wasn't offended. I wasn't upset. Mm. I was just kind of like, oh, something finally makes sense. You know, once yeah. I learned, it's a bit like with any diagnosis, really. Once you learn sort of traits of it, you can sort of put things to experiences that you've gone through and gone, oh, OK, so that's why mm. I responded that yeah. way. And that's a really good point, because the one thing I noticed when I was first informed about it and kind of first um recognize that as something that actually I needed or wanted to make space for not just not just needed but um was people always say to me oh you must spend a lot of time in the present thinking about it and actually I didn't spend a lot of time in the present I spent a lot of time in my past like you said kind of working my way back through the years almost kind of trying to tie up those loose threads or loose ends with new information I had um, and make it all make sense so that I could come back into the present day and a bit like you said look back and think okay now my past makes much more sense yeah um which and I it, got a real a real sense of you and it was that. it was very much like you know when you research anything you mm-hmm. know you you go on Dr Google and it's very much yeah. like you can end up with a far more serious illness than you began with so I was very careful about what I read and I was I went to 
you know, because there's so many different resources online about autism mm. and a lot of it's not sort of accurate. Oh, a lot of it's utter crap. Yeah. I mean, it's that's I think that's fair to say a lot of it is very kind of. Um... So it was trying to fit that and sort of, you know, figure out what made sense to me and yeah. then put my puzzle pieces together. Mm -hmm. And that's a really good um that's a really good kind of terminology putting those puzzle pieces together because it is almost like you've you have this massive i don't know like a thousand piece jigsaw yeah that you've never been able to fit together and you've just never been able to do because it's just so confusing and you haven't got any instructions and rah, rah, rah. and then you tip it all out in front of you and you're like i need to do this one piece at a time i need to do this slowly and eventually i'll get it done and it'll all look how it's supposed to look yeah um and it's such a you know it's it's kind of a, a cheeky little analogy but I kind of like it um, yeah. but it's you know how do you feel about it coming because I, I think this is a question a lot of people find difficult and I remember last episode when I talked to James about his experiences how did you personally find finding that out later in life was that um, was that did that leave any kind of lingering I mean, it was a bit frustrating because mm -hmm. I would have maybe been a bit more understood as a child, mm -hmm. you know, with any hope. And I wouldn't have had misdiagnosis or anything like that because yeah. I was diagnosed with something completely different, which I'll, I'll talk to you about a bit later. Yeah. Um, and that is a common thing with autism is that mm. it's, you do get misdiagnosed as a female. Yes, it is. There is actually a bit of research that I will block out in a short while about that to back that up in, as well. Yeah, that's much more common um, with females. So, yeah, you've, you've kind of done my job for me there a little bit. So <laughs> good, good stuff. It's so frustrating because ex exactly like I said from the research, there is that point that comes up of women are more likely to just be told that they have a mental health condition or mental health disorder or anxiety or you know depression and that kind of thing and 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 the kind of the bigger issue gets kind of swept away or swept under the carpet and then they're left with kind of half half an answer yeah um, and that's a real real well it's just it's just it's just not right it's just anyway. debilitating at times it really is because mm -hmm. you know just because you're female doesn't mean that you don't experience the same mm -hmm. sort of challenges as what a man would do Absolutely. Yeah. Do you know what? I'm I was I'm actually gonna just go into a little bit of the research there because I feel like the conversation kind of warrants the some of the research. So um some of this research that I've kind of looked into for this particular episode comes from both the um autistic society themselves, um, but also from uh, Very Well Mind, which is someone I have used research from before. So just kind of um what I'll do is just kind of pull out a couple of bullet points and then we'll just kind of see how they feel um, with each other yeah. um so a couple of things that have come from particular bits of research so it's wrongly been assumed in the past that autism is something that overwhelmingly affects boys and men rather than girls and women why that might be it's been kind of uh conversations have been had research has been carried out they've obviously spoken to a lot of people about it there have been questions such as, are girls and women better at masking than boys and men? Uh, do women and girls face less social difficulties? 
Are they masking academic capabilities during education better so they're able to do better and kind of go unnoticed at school, for example, or college? And is it uh, is there an element of, OK, well, girls are less likely to um, kind of show physical or kind of behavioural difficulties as much as boys? So maybe that's why girls go unnoticed at younger ages. The point that you made, of course, women and girls are more likely than boys and men to be misdiagnosed with mental health disorders rather than autism. You made that point, of course. Actually, in the diagnosis process, some diagnostic tools used during assessments are designed to typically identify autistic traits more often seen in boys and men. So even as a a young girl or a, a woman going through the diagnosis process, they're kind of looking for things that are typically more seen in men and boys. So again, that that astounds me. Yeah. So various studies also have, even very recently, suggested that the ratio of males to females um, who've been diagnosed with autism has always been higher with men. Um, it ranges, it has ranged from about two to one, men to, male to female, but has been known to be as high as 16 to one. Oh. So 16 men compared to one female receiving their autism diagnosis. I have to pause really there and, and, and kind of get your get your view of what, what you're feeling about some of that. That's kind of shocking, to be honest. I mean, I've I've done my research, but that mm. the diagnostic it's it's really shocking that, mm. you know, mm. we, we live in a world where we promote equality all the time and yet we're sort of banished as females that oh you you can't be autistic because you know you've mm. got an anxiety disorder or like you said you know a, a different a different challenge it's them numbers are shocking 16 to 1 is ridiculous I mean that's I, I, I suppose I'll put a, a marker there that 16 to 1 is the highest that they've known it it's not yeah. the kind of typical all the time figure but it's 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 I guess it's the um but e- even one. so, it shouldn't have ever reached that number. No, it shouldn't. No, of course it shouldn't. I think, uh, do you know what? The one thing that keeps popping out at me about some of this research is it's almost saying, well, to be honest, girls, you know, if you kicked off, screamed a bit more, punched somebody, you know, we're a bit more disruptive, you know, threw chairs around and, you know, made a bit more fuss, we might notice you more. Yeah. Like, well, I was the quiet one at school, 100%. Yeah. it's it's almost punishing you for being able to get through things or get on with things without doing that but of course to those in the know you should know that that's because you're masking most likely it's not because you're just able to do it or you're just able to get on with it quietly it's because yes you're you're more than likely masking through your kind of life situations but that doesn't mean I think the one thing I mean, I spoke about masking in the first episode of this series. You know, the one thing about masking that people get wrong is, oh, you can do masking, so that means you're fine. Like, no. You know, masking <laughs> means, it, you know, masking is, oh, if you can do it, then you'll get through life, so you don't need to moan. And it's like, no, no, no. Yeah, no, masking <laughs> is a coping strategy. Masking is something that it's almost like we have to do to cope with society and we have to cope, you know, mm. it, it's it's no different to like wearing one of those um, wristbands when you go in a car to stop yourself from getting heartsick. It's just Mm -hmm. because masking is not 
um, a physical thing. Yeah. It's, you know, it's not something you can actually see. You know, and I'm not going to walk yeah. around with a mask. If I walked around with a mask on my face, what would that tell people? Oh, you look autistic now. Okay. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, that's absolutely right. It, it, it plays into that, that kind of mentality again of, you know, you can't, you can't see someone's autistic that's you know as a, as a general rule you can't see when someone's masking so as far as a lot of people in society are concerned about not just neurodiverse um kind of conditions or challenges but also you know with mental health a lot of people still have that mentality of if i can't see it it's not happening yeah absolutely um you know if someone breaks their leg in the street i'll run up to them and help them because obviously they need help and they need support but you know if someone's looking a little bit quiet and a little bit shaky in the middle of the street that's not my problem because i'm sure they're fine yeah um you know it's it's just you know i think it is that thing where a lot of the research the the kind of undertone for me with women is very much well women do a really good job at pretending they're fine so we don't need to bother with them it's like no yeah. no, no, no no because you and I both know that something like masking however good you are at it however effective your masking abilities are masking does not come without consequence masking doesn't come without a high price oh no absolutely I often get sort of burnt out at the end of the day mm. I'm sure a lot of people have heard about autistic burnout or just burnout in general. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, I get home at the end of, the, of a work day and I'm exhausted. I, you know, I, I take off my mask and mm -hmm. I'm just completely and utterly burnt out. And I need a, a, a few hours of peace just to be yeah. quiet and still because I've put on this front all day mm. and, you know, you get home and, it's only in certain places that you can be yourself with. Like I can be myself with my daughter. I've got a 16 year old yeah. daughter and I can be myself with her. She knows mm -hmm. the real side of me. And it's Which very is... few people that will know the real side of me. Mm. And I that's... just don't feel comfortable. No. And then you know what? That's such, I use the word and it probably sounds dramatic to a lot of people, but I suppose it really underpins the emotion the mo the emotive side of it is it, it's such a tragedy yeah because you're living you know it, it's up to you obviously well it's sort of partly up to you how much or how little you're you're involved in the rest of society but in a lot of things you have to be in you know the workplace for example um and it's really a tragedy that you we I use the word have to because I, I get oh. where you're coming from you, that you have to not present your true self to a lot of people that you spend time around or oh god yeah if, if I went to work and I acted my true self without my mask I don't think I'd last a day in that environment yeah purely for the fact that there's you know as much as society tries and understands autistic people mm. it's it doesn't always happen everywhere particularly no. you know the working the working environment is it's really hard. You can have reasonable adjustments and, and things like that. But yeah, at the end of the day, you come home and you just nine times out of 10, you're exhausted. And are you, um, I suppose, to follow that point, are you kind of, well, I, I imagine I already know the answer, but given why you've had to do it in the first place, are you kind of upfront and open about the fact that when you do get home, you are that knackered? And you've 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 kind of suffered that much mentally with people, or do you again? Do you kind of keep that bit hidden as well? 
I mean, it's, you know, with with my daughter, I can't really hide anything from her. She's autistic as well. So mm-hmm. it's, it's very much like she will pick up on my emotions and just sort of, we'll both have our time out. But, yeah. um, so I, spend, I, I, mean, I like, suppose there's an element of masking there still, because obviously yeah. as a parent, you don't want to show everything. But at the same time, I'm not frightened to cry down in front of her and say, do you know what, I've had a really crap day. I'm exhausted. I yeah, yeah, five yeah. Five minutes. But, you know, you've got, I mean, you've got such, I mean, it sounds like you've got such an incredible bond anyway, but the fact that you have autism as well as a common link between mother and daughter is is something I think that is very, very special. But I suppose as well as, you know, as as well as the immediate people, obviously, in your kind of, uh, in your space, I mean, are you honest with friends or colleagues that, you know, do you have those conversations where you say, do you know what, when I get home from work, I'm bloody shattered. Um, and this is why or does that just do those conversations not really happen I mean sometimes it it depends like I'm very careful who I open up to and who I sort Mm. of say things to you know when I was a kid I just used to tell anyone anything (laughs) and now as an adult you sort of learn who people are and it's kind of like you know I, I told one of my friends recently um who I hadn't spoke to for quite some time and I just sort of said you're you know, I'm just having a really bad autistic day today. Mm. And she was just like, but you don't look autistic. And ah. <laughs> when I knew you before, you know, you you were fine. So yeah. why, why are you suddenly like being this way now? And I was like, because I finally mm. felt comfortable to, to come to you and just sort of say, you know what, I'm burnt out. And this yeah. is why I'm burnt out. And this is why research and this is why podcasts like this is so important because it spreads the word to people exactly what the real side of being autistic is like. Mm. People just don't see it. No, absolutely. And, you know, uh, it, it's very powerful of you to have said that because the aim of, I'm sure, a lot a lot of podcasters in who, who talk about autism, but especially, obviously, this one, is... The, the sole purpose has and will always be let's talk to people who actually exist alongside autism and neurodiversity and let's actually hear probably for the first time in a, in a the first time ever in detail yeah pe- people are actually starting to say do you know what this is my life experience and these are the details and this is the these are the kind of ins and outs and I think even for non-autistic people to listen to yeah. these experiences is can only open eyes and perceptions and challenge challenge kindly not challenge with any kind of um you know kind of uh, we're not I'm not kind of you're not being horrible or anything like that you know gently educating the world on on the fact that this is real life and you know the more real life Mm. you know experiences you share the better I mean it'll help our future generations you know my daughter's she's not officially diagnosed and I refuse to get her a diagnosis unless Mm -hmm. she decides she wants one because it doesn't change who she is it doesn't define who she is yeah Um, bang bang on yeah and it's it's you know I've only noticed it over the years how she is even Mm -hmm. though you know it's it's quite a common thing that if you see another autistic person, you notice it. Mm-hmm. Even with my own daughter, sometimes, you know, I just think, is she being a teenager or is she actually, you know, challenged by this? And sometimes I see her get so overwhelmed mm-hmm. and 
you know, by me being open with her and just sort of saying, these are my challenges, because I'll never shy away from that with anybody. No, you know, no. I've always been open and said, you know, this is what I'm struggling with. Um, I've sort of limited who I tell that to now, obviously, because of stigma. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. you know, yeah. with my daughter, it's it's very much like she can be herself around me. You know, she can say, Mom, I'm overwhelmed or I need my routine or, you know, and it's little bits like that. I'm like, oh, OK, that makes sense to me now. But that, you know, that is something that, again, can only be a positive force for change because I mean you know I have always been very close to uh, we're talking about we're talking about women you know I've always been very close to my mum my mum is kind of my my absolute support Mm -hmm. network um but alongside me discovering about being autistic and you know moving towards that that process of of diagnosis she's had to do the same because Mm -hmm. you know she knew I mean you said earlier you know I was born in the early 90s and even in the early 90s no one talked about autism nobody nobody had those conversations nobody really kind of I'm, I'm going to be honest I don't think anyone really took it that seriously no um and I think you know for her to find out again I was probably about three or four no four years ago when I was first had that, that proper conversation um you know when when she found out at the same time as me we both had to go through that process of okay well how can you know how how can we build that support network effectively and i know for for her she thought okay well how can i support my son yeah. who has who has grown up with something he didn't know about but now you know obviously as a parent her, like you said her 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 role and her desire now is to you know how do i support my son when he needs it what does he need what does that look like what does that feel like yeah and having those conversations more frequently now is is commonplace i suppose this is where it's different for females completely because even though my mom knows i'm autistic Mm. she doesn't embrace it as such she just right you know it's kind of like she won't ever say oh no you're not autistic you know she won't ever invalidate me she'll Mm -hmm. just go okay and then she kind of puts the screen up as if to say, you know, okay, that that's who she is, fine, but I'm not really going to acknowledge it. I'm just going to treat her as a human being and then we'll get on with it. I used to see autism as like either I'm autistic or, you know, like the Laura side of me or mm-hmm. kind of thing. And it's now, it's changed to, well, actually, that's just a part of me. Yeah, yeah. You know, and that's been a massive learning curve over the years. You know, lots of research, lots of groups I've attended, lots of support things I've had. Yes, it's been a a lot of sort of learning about you know where can I feel accepted, where can I be myself in that space, and I can be myself with my mum, but if I mention sort of you know oh that's you know a a trait of my autism, she's like oh okay, is it or Mm. you know are you just having a bad day? And it's like. Mm-hmm. you know I don't I don't I'm not offended by that you know she's my mum I love her but of it's course, the case of, of some people you know as a female it's like you sure that's not just you being anxious um what's the term that used to be used because I had uh well I didn't she wasn't um I'm trying to think what relation she would have been to me it was my I think one of my mum's aunties I think would have been the person before me in my family line that was um also autistic yeah um so because i've I like you know you've got a 16 year old daughter i've got an eight-year-old nephew who's autistic mm. 
Um, so it was me and then it's him. But I think before me, it was my mum's auntie um, because she was always very different. She always struggled with her kind of emotional, kind of, yeah. I guess you'd call it emotional expression, that kind of thing. And because she was a woman, which yeah. I think is very telling of the time that she kind of, she's no longer with us, but the time that she was alive, she was always described by people that knew her as, oh, she's she's highly strung, oh, she lives on her nerves, oh, yeah. you know, oh she's this, she's that. It was always these really kind of degrading. I used to get called of... that. I used to get called sort of, you know, oh, she's a bit different and she's, yeah. you know, yeah. a bit intense to be around. And, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. it was just like, hold on, you know, what's wrong with, with being that you know I I used to get told by different people throughout my life you know in, in relationships oh you're over caring or you're over loving or you overthink or you overdo this and overdo mm. that and I'm like I'm glad I overdo that yeah because it's better than not doing it at all absolutely I mean <laughs> I wish I could I wish I could say I hadn't heard similar stuff um yeah. you know you you care too much or you're too empathetic or you you know you you love things or whatever or people or whatever you love them too much it's like yeah but that's also a common it is about autism you know we we get told we're not empathic at all and it's like hold on we're probably the most empathic people oh i mean we get it yeah i mean one of if we're gonna i mean i i remember doing an episode last series about kind of stigma and stereotypes i mean one of the biggest kind of uh stereotypes or kind of misconceptions about autism and emotion is that we don't have any yeah is that we don't feel any we don't know what that means we don't know what it looks like I will back that up to a degree um when we're talking about things such as and for a lot of people they won't have a clue what these things are but um when we're talking about things like emotional dysregulation um when we're talking about things like alexithymia um if anyone's listening and don't know what those are go and look them up they're very interesting reads but you know god emotionally and again, you know, this is something that shouldn't be kind of looked at either through just a male lens or just a female lens, mm. that autistic people have a wide range of emotional capabilities. And actually a lot of autistic, a lot of autistic people that I've encountered so far, even on my own, you know, only a few kind of years of exposure to it, you yeah. know, such emotional gravity, grasp, you know, high capabilities if anything I mean I include myself in this if anything we just we feel it too much yeah like you said it's just it's so high that it's almost like the rest of society you meet just can't possibly reach the heights that you're at yeah and this reminds me exactly of what we were briefly mentioning earlier about misdiagnosis because um I had a diagnosis of EUPD which is emotionally unstable personality disorder and Love, that yeah, is a complete <laughs> common misdiagnosis of mm-hmm. autism, except I'm very lucky I have both. Um, mm-hmm. Well, that's, I, some people wouldn't say that lucky. Some people would say that's quite debilitating. Well, you know, you're allowed to use whatever words you want to describe it because it's but, yours. So. You know, I'm, I'm special. I'm okay. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's a case of, you know, that's often a common misdiagnosis because, again, that's about emotional dysregulation and you know sort of intense relationships and things like that and Mm. you know intense emotions and spontaneity and things like that so it's it's very common yes you know to be misdiagnosed with that and then it's actually well actually you're autistic yeah because there's all these other little things that 
pop up like you know I'm extremely sensitive to sound and noise and I have no sense of danger like my daughter does she's a completely different autistic person to me so mm -hmm. I can cross the road without looking either way I, yeah. I do not have a sense of danger my daughter will grab hold of my wrist and say hold on mum stop because yeah. she'll recognize the danger before me so that's what I find fascinating in the autistic community is that no autistic people are the same we may have similar sort of really experiences yeah. but we we're just completely not the same i feel like i mentioned this quote in every episode but it, <laughs> it is because it needs driving into the the kind of the consciousness mm -hmm. of of society is you, when you've met one autistic person you really have just met one autistic person because mm -hmm. they're just there isn't a there isn't a traditional yeah of course there are there are shared common traits there are typical kind of you know things that you might you might see in a lot of behaviors etc but there is it's no not blueprint a handbook, is there There's no no really this not. is how to be autistic kind of thing it's kind of like well actually this is you this is me this is how we connect and you know that's it and i think that's you know going back to the research that's one of the things that really upsets me this upsets me as a man it mm. upsets me that you know for so long and sort of in some areas continuing to do so is we're looking at autism through a female lens and going oh well you know they're not like the boys so you know it's like yeah. no 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 but it doesn't matter because what we're saying is very true is it's about individual um it's it's kind of how that individual portrayal is manifested it's not about men versus women boys versus girls yeah. you know and men can mask too you know, it's, it's yeah, not just women. Yeah. It's, yeah. you know, yeah. women do, you know, in a society world, we are very good at masking. And I only recently learned, and I'm talking over the last year, what masking really was because I heard it and mm. it just didn't make sense to me. No matter how much I researched it, I just couldn't make it work. And then I, I saw a documentary on TV and it would just something in me clicked and I went oh that's masking that's what it means yeah and it just made sense and then I realized oh my god I do that too because yeah, I, yeah. I never really sort of put two and two together and made four it was just kind of you know I didn't really associate myself with masking until I learned what the terminology really meant for me I think I suppose it's one of the things it's another one of these things masking nobody ever has those conversations with you when you're young you know nobody ever had those conversations in in education in the workplace where someone would sit you down and say there are some people in society who have to do something called masking and this is what it means nobody ever had those conversations with yeah, us you just kind of got on with it yeah it's like you know it's, it, it was almost kind of some people are a bit different and some people are a bit weird, but we just ignore those people because, you know, we haven't got time for them and they're not like the rest of us. And it's like, well, no, actually, we've missed we've missed quite a big mm. we've missed quite a, a big conversation there. And that's that's really sad. And um, my daughter still experiences that in school nowadays, you know, even with the support that they get in schools, um, you know, she still experiences being known as the weird one or the quiet one mm. or, you know it's a case of well she's a bit odd so you know and I I notice more and more over the years I've noticed her autism shine through mm -hmm. and it's it's beautiful to see because you know I've always credited her for being that individual yeah. you know as a female anyway and you know raising another human being just like me you know 
there are times when she says, God, mum, I wish I wasn't like you. <laughs> and it's a bit like, well, thanks. Cheers. <laughs> I appreciate it. <laughs> but at the same time, it's just kind of like, I see traits of her in me and yeah. vice versa. And, you know, she's like, she's very strong with her routine. And it's just, yeah, you know, I could go off on a tangent. And no, talk I about mean, it must hours, be incredibly, but... it must be incredibly special as a parent anyway yeah. to see parts and elements and aspects of yourself manifesting in your child some um, some yeah some of them some. you can leave I mean, some of them you, you know, can leave out the door not not know. the tantrums I, i'm not a fan no. of those <laughs> <laughs> no um especially in teenagers that's just a recipe for disaster yeah. as we as we know but um but as well with being autistic uh, an autistic parent i think there's again we did with I, I very rarely see or hear of those conversations where where we talk to people to autistic people who've had children because again let's not ignore the fact that there is another misconception that autistic people don't have relationships don't have children Mm -hmm. they just sit on their own and don't basically don't involve themselves in life i mean there are lots to do loads you know i've I've managed to have a child and and get married and Mm -hmm you know have that life and and things yeah. like that you know with my daughter's dad and it's been you know if if people knew about my autism back then they'd be like well you know you you can't do that well why not yeah 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 and you know I'm, I'm really glad that you mentioned it because when you're talking about these kind of life landmarks you know mm-hmm. um it's one of the things that that definitely I can say that definitely boys and men get a lot is oh you're autistic oh shit mate that means you're not going to be able to have a partner you're not going to be able to you know get married you're not going to be able to kind of have a have a job or do this kind of things and it's it's that's never been the case um what what is the case is you know what society deems as the traditional pathways to those things yeah no probably aren't going to work for me um, but until society catches up and says, do you know what? We need to look at how we do things differently for the people that need it. And we need to look at the way that pathways through life's landmarks and transitions work for some, for everyone, not just for, for kind of the silent majority. Yeah. Um, and you actually know. you can, you know, you can have relationships and you can have the life that you want. Mm. And, you know, yes, autistic people are, faced with challenges throughout the day throughout the week etc but you still can have meaningful relationships Mm. you know you can still have that life that you want it's not without its challenges I'm not going to sugarcoat it you know it's bloody hard work and even when you know my daughter was little it was very much a case of how do I manage this Mm. because also you know, I've noticed in my autistic journey that I can be, I can have my mental age is slightly younger than my actual age. Yeah, I think that's, and I think that's very common because I feel the same a lot of the time. Yeah. You know, and it's, Mm. it's not a case of, oh, I'm young at heart kind of thing. It's a case of, well, actually, Mm. you know, I still feel very much like a child sometimes in situations and I don't know how to handle them as an adult. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. And I think a lot of people won't have heard that element of, of, how autism can affect you kind of mentally sometimes um because i i I completely relate to that you know there are some times where there is almost little boy jack in in the brain that just goes nope don't know how to do this don't know how to manage this um i'm not 
I'm not old enough to do this yet. That kind of is almost kind of like this, this kind of infantile mentality almost just takes control of the wheel temporarily sometimes. Yeah. Um, and sometimes I can go mute, which is yeah. also like um, a really quiet symptom of, of being autistic. It's, mm. you know, you can have selective mutism where my, my whole body will just shut down because I can't emotionally regulate what is happening yeah. around me. So I just, I shut down and I go quiet. And my mm. daughter, bless her, the first time I, I did that around her, she handled it so well. She just handed me a notepad and, and went, there you go. You know. And she's so great. She really is. She's it's, amazing. It's, I, you know, such a testament to you as a parent, you know. And, and, and you know, do you know what? Dad, she's amazing. She's mm. She's not been without her challenges. You know, mm. she's faced a lot and she's faced a lot of like, how does, you know, people not have the same heart as me I don't understand it how do they not think the way I do and I think that's another common autistic thing is that you know we find it hard to understand that other people can think differently yes and have different opinions because it's like well you know why yeah we want to know the why and there's not always the why answer no and I think the one thing I always say to people is I as an individual have always and will always be very very logical um, and I look for logic in kind of every facet of life. Um, and if there isn't any, or if it's being denied me, um, I get very, very bothered by that. And, you know, a lot of people, I think a lot of people uh, where I think a lot of the weird tag comes from with, with autistic people is autistic people aren't afraid to challenge life they're not they're not they're not afraid to challenge society they're not afraid to challenge perceptions or um traditions if you like um they're not afraid to ask questions and to a to a lot of people asking questions they don't like it yeah it, it, it's an inconvenience it's a problem it's a disturbance and it forces other people to think oh hang on a minute why aren't we asking these questions it yeah. makes them un- it makes them uncomfortable and and this is exactly it like I'm a support worker and if, you know, again, the autistic side of me is like, well, I'm really curious. I want to know that oh. I want to know the, the hows and whys and wheres and I have to know every single detail. Mm. But I'm also a very black and white thinker. So yeah, as much as I love detail, I love it said to me straight. And I, that's one of the first brilliant things I noticed about my autistic self is that I'm very direct yeah and I and a lot of people are ashamed of that but I'm actually I love that side of me because you know people are like I wish I was more direct and it's like well Hmm. you know practice it's okay if it doesn't come naturally to you and that's fine some things don't come naturally to some people but I think the shame the element of shame or the the being ashamed of being direct as an example of something that's a very strong trait for a lot of autistic people that element of shame comes from the reactions of other people yeah rather than the the kind of um the inclination that you've had to be that way it's one of those things when you face it's like when you face stigma or you know all it does is force you back into yourself because the reaction you've had is not one of kind of an open mind or an open arms kind of thing it's more of a why are you being weird why are you being different stop doing that it's yeah and I've definitely experienced both I've definitely experienced the feeling of like okay I'm not going to address that again because I've not met you know I'm not met with a a positive response or Mm. sometimes if I'm feeling like extra curious I'll be like well hold on a minute why and yeah. I will really push for that answer and it drives mm. people crazy. But I'd rather 
drive people crazy with my curiousness and get people to think out of the ordinary kind of thing. Hey, hey. there it is. <laughs> that was completely unplanned, but <laughs> it's just, it, it's, it's true. I'd rather get people to think about outside the box than I would, you know, what society tells you because I'm really passionate about proving society wrong. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think I, I completely am on board with you there. Um, and do you know what the saddest part is, is that it's taken me. Yeah, well, I'm sure you can relate to a lot of this because obviously we've, we're quite recent in terms of years and, and when we both found out about our autism. But it's taken me all this kind of recent period of, of time and years to really work out how to wake up how to kind of wake up into my kind of fullest proper form and I've I've changed so much so so I keep changing as a person I keep noticing the more and more comfortable I become in myself the more and more self-aware I become the more kind of the more I keep taking the masks off and leaving them off for as long as possible I keep finding myself changing and growing and developing and I mean goodness me I mean even the person I was, the person I was in January of this year. Yeah. So it's just not the person that sat here in June. Yeah. It's just They're just two different people. And it's because really I, weird, isn't it? Because we hate change. I know. It's like one <laughs> so of the it's worst things kind of catch 22, isn't it? It's like we absolutely hate change, yet in order to move forward and learn, you, you have to change. And yeah, I'm not the to. person. Like my, my best friend, Sarah, I've known her for... 15 years since our babies were babies and Mm. I've changed so much over the years I am not the same person I was when I was younger and you know obviously no one is the same as when they're younger but I'm just I'm not the same person like you said you know at the beginning Mm. of the year I'm completely different now how I was at the beginning of the year because you know I suppose it's my one of my favorite quotes is you are the company you keep and I never understood that quote Mm. until it was kind of like you know when you spend time around your people you know the people that make you feel safe and the people that make you feel like you don't have to have that mask on mm-hmm. you know and the people that accept you then it's kind of it's so refreshing and so lovely to be around yeah that you want more of that and I think a lot of the times is actually when people say why have you changed or you know what's made you change it's not always bad things that mm-hmm. make you change I mean I, I you know it, I, I've I've been through certainly recently certain examples of things that even that have happened for the first time in my life that mm-hmm. have been initially terrifying and I've not known how to process them I've not known how to manage them I've not known how to emotionally switch on to either let them in or deal with them but since those things have either worked or they haven't worked what I do is I don't I don't kind of shut down and go, oh no, I'm crap at life. I'm going to, I'm going to give up. Like it's not, life's not meant for me. I just use it to propel forward and go, okay, I'm, I'm somebody who loves to learn. I'm somebody who loves to learn every single day Yeah. and I'll, I'll treat it as my kind of my work. I will go, what, which parts of me, which bits of me do I want to work on? Which bits of me do I want to develop and grow and kind of, enhance yeah and I'll do it and and I feel like if I talk to myself from January he would be quite surprised 
yeah about where he's ended up in June and I know that sounds so unbelievably cheesy no but, but I I completely relate to that you know even as mm. a, a female as a, a person who's known you for a while I completely relate to that you know when I got my diagnosis of autism three years ago you know I was on um you know I I was having a suicidal moment you know I, mm. I I attempted suicide and I think that's important to talk about I don't think I do yeah I mean away yeah. because there's nothing to be ashamed of no, and then of a year later I was working as a support worker and supporting people who'd been in my position and gone do you know what you can come out the other side I didn't ever imagine I could do that no absolutely I never imagined I could drive a car you know I never imagined that I could be in a relationship I never imagined I could have a child I could have Mm -hmm. a, a job that meant so much to me that I could it's kind of sadistic in a way I share my life experiences with people who go through the same thing and I say do you know what you can have crap days. It's okay to have crap days. Mm. Regardless of whether you're autistic or not, you can still have crap days. But this is how you manage them. And I speak to a lot of other autistic people I work alongside. And they go, well, how do you, you know, figure this out? And how do you figure that out? And I just I said, I hate this so much because if someone said this to me, I'd want to slap them. <laughs> but it's like, you know, take your time, be patient. I'm the most impatient person I know. I, I know, I get it. <laughs> but it's just kind of like, you know, I'd never tell someone I didn't be- something I didn't believe in myself. Mm. And you know, it's it's such a and crazy, but also such an enlightening thing that the reason I talk about always changing or growing or developing as an individual, which I think is such a for me is mm. always has always felt like a really autistic thing, is the fact that autistic people will do that, whereas. Actually, if you say to your average neurotypical person, do you not think you should grow? Do you not think you should challenge yourself to, to you know, enhance or develop or to learn new things? And they'll be like, what's the point? What do I get out of it? Yeah. And it's like, well, I, I, I love it. I absolutely love it. And, you know, a lot of the reasons that I choose to grow or to learn from my experiences, because, you know, at the time they mattered to me, but I might not have been able to manage them or I might not have had the process available to know how to navigate them at that time mm. but a lot of people would turn and give up and go oh well I can't do it you know I, I'm fucked it up once so I'll fuck it up again yeah. no 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 I, I I want to learn how to enhance that I want to learn how to make that better I want to learn how to this, like you said I want to learn exactly how to... It. exactly it like some people will avoid going to supermarkets because they can't cope with it I want to learn how to cope in that environment me too because yeah. I don't want to avoid it you know, mm-hmm. okay, nine times out of ten, I'll walk right back out because I hate supermarkets. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, you know, now they've got quiet areas. And it's, it's again, you know, an experience I had as an autistic person. I should up. I hate public speaking. I absolutely hate it. Mm. It freaks me out because I feel so judged. But I stood up on stage last year in front of 120 people yeah. and spoke about being autistic and being a support worker and everything like that in front of complete strangers I didn't know and I was shaking the whole time and it was something I got told oh well you'll never do it whether or not I told that in my head or I got told that by people I was kind of like watch me and that's one of the most powerful things about being a human being is that if someone says to me you can't do something I will damn well try and prove them wrong yeah boom I (laughs) I love it 
Oh, do you know what? That's such a oh, that's such a bloody positive. I love. I just love that. I love that. It's such. It shows such amazing. And again, one of the biggest misconceptions about autistic people is they're weak. Yeah, they can't. You know, they 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 can't handle much. It doesn't take much to break them. It doesn't take much. You can break an autistic person, but like you said, they'll be damned if they don't get back up again and come back stronger. I, I can't tell you how I've got back up. Sometimes is you know really hard to get back up and mm. like, I physically have to stand up because I'm a visual person I physically get up and I go do you know what I'm okay yeah. I'm really lucky mm-hmm. and I am I do generally feel that whether you know as an autistic person I feel amazing you know I feel lush to be autistic because I get to think you know more and I get to do more and you know, some people find it, oh, God, I'm autistic. That's, you know, that's really tough. But, and I get that. I do honestly get that. It can be debilitating, but there's so many great strengths to it as well. You do. I mean, one of the one of the biggest, um, <laughs> just it propped into my head. One of the biggest things you get when you tell, like you said, about being brave and open enough to say to people that you, you know, you live alongside autism. And, and sometimes people will go, oh, I'm so sorry. Yes. <laughs> what are you sorry for? <laughs> like, yeah, I yeah. Like, oh my god you know are you okay that must be yeah. really hard for you it's like no. well, yeah yeah it is but it also, is hard but actually let, let me tell you what I can do is it as well yeah so, you know oh it's it's just so lovely one of the because I'm very conscious of time one of the yeah. last things I wanted to ask you um in this particular conversation is obviously earlier we were talking about the misconceptions and the difficulties between um acknowledging autism between boys and men and girls and women yeah obviously we've talked about a lot which has been such a fantastic coverage I suppose the biggest question that I want to end with and it might not be one that you have the answers to but that doesn't matter I suppose the biggest question that I'd like to ask you to conclude is what is it that you think going forward as of 2023 what do you think affects or holds back the views currently held about autistic women in society I, you're right, I don't have the answer, but... I don't from, expect you to. <laughs> but if I was to really, you know, briefly think about it, I, I would think it was, it's just the, do you know, I really don't know how to put it into words, but it's kind of like, I'd want to educate people on more that you still matter and you should still be acknowledged and you should still be listened to and validated. I think that's the biggest thing moving forward is validation. Validation bloody love that word yeah <laughs> do you know what I think I've, and I'll add to kind of what you said validation is something that do you know what I think a lot of people whether they're um autistic or not a lot of people hope at some stage in their life sooner rather than later that they will experience validation in some shape or form that is mm-hmm. you know that is satisfactory to to bring them peace or what they're looking for yeah. um but as well Especially as validation female mm. Mm-hmm. you know because like you said we're so we just pushed aside and gone oh she's just anxious she's just having a uh bad day she's on her monthly yeah it's kind of like you know yeah. actually i'm yeah. having a crap day and this is why or i'm having a good day and this is why yeah and you know it's one of those things that um i remember doing a course around autism awareness before i think it was earlier this year again one of the things that i decided to do to kind of continue learning um and there was a sentence in there from a, 
a psychologist, I think it was decades back, I can't remember the name of the psychologist, but one of their sentences was, oh, you know, um, kind of with autism in boys, we want to deal with that really sharpish because if we don't deal with it, then they might turn out to be angry young men. Um, and it's like, well, why don't you do that with girls? It's like, oh yeah, but girls don't really get angry. They don't really. Yeah, get we violent. do. <laughs> they don't. They don't get violent, so we don't need to worry as much. It's like, no, no, no. But yeah, we actually do. We we lose our tempers a lot. <laughs> Absolutely. The other thing I would say is, women still have emotions. Oh just yeah, as men do. I, and, I but... wish I didn't have half the emotions I do. I'm not going to lie because I no, I get it. I get way you. too much. But both. It doesn't matter who you are, your emotions, uh, you know, when we're talking about why the, the rate of, we're talking about suicide earlier, why the rate of suicide in men is so high. Yeah. It's because people keep ignoring the fact that men have equal levels of emotions just as women do. Yeah. And you have to acknowledge, it doesn't matter what, you know, it doesn't matter what your gender is. It doesn't matter kind of what your job is, how much money you earn, where you live, like how many kids you got, that kind of thing. Your emotions are constant. Yeah. You know. And they can show through in different ways. You know, they don't have to be a verbal thing. You know, they can mm. show through physicalities and, you know, emotions. And they could, you know, they can be shown through behaviours. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Especially and for all the non-verbals out there. The other thing I would say alongside the validation point is, and, and, and we said it earlier, another reason why I, as many people are, are doing podcasts about autism is along with validation, it's about raising awareness. Yeah. And probably the biggest thing is raising acceptance in society because those three things, validation, awareness and acceptance. There's not enough of it. There's, it's, it's appalling still, I think, in a lot of factors of society. But actually, those are the three pathways to making the effective change so that the experiences that you gave as a female growing up yeah so that people like your daughter who is 16 years old so that people like her and people born after her will never have to go through those pathways through their kind of most important years where they think it's not safe to be myself I can't be myself yeah you know and, and that's, that's one thing I'll always promote is being yourself. And that's one thing I've I've done from with her from a very young age. Like, you know, some people say, oh, don't cry in front of your children. And, you know, don't show emotions to them. And you've got mm. to put on that front and you've got to be brave and strong. And I'm like, uh, no, I if I'm going to cry in front of my child, I'm going to show her that there's emotions and nothing to be afraid of. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, completely. Wow, Laura, <laughs> what? What an episode. I mean, you came and you delivered. <laughs> so it's been such a pleasure. To yeah, talk thank to you today. so much. I'm, I'm so honoured to have joined you and been part of this. It's been amazing. I, I did worry at first. I'd be like, well, I, I won't have anything to say. I don't know enough about things. And then I'm actually... I really don't think you struggled, though, I'll be honest. <laughs> no, I didn't. I, I think I winged it quite well. <laughs> oh, no, you were fantastic. And I hope that you will give that information out there, not only to autistic women and girls that may be listening to this podcast, but also to non-autistic women and girls yeah. who might think, gosh, you know, that's a different kind of sphere of knowledge that I had no kind of clue about. Um, do you know what? I say, I'm going to say this to all my guests because I just love them all equally, but I... I've been so honoured to have you. Thank you so much for your Thank you. discussions and input. And you know what? I hope you come back again. 
That's sometimes. Lovely. Thank you. Because there is always so much to talk about. Oh, God, yeah. Us women can talk for ages. <laughs> Do you know what? It's what we're all here for. But I have to say, Laura, thank you again so much. And until the next time for everyone listening to the podcast, thank you so much for joining myself and Laura today. I will be back again next week for another brand new episode. I hope you've enjoyed today. If you have, if you haven't already, please, please follow and subscribe to wherever you get your podcasts, whichever platform that is. The podcast should be popping up at every single junction as long as I make sure that's the case. Please make sure you follow and subscribe to the podcast. Please leave a review and a five-star rating if you feel it's justified. Of course, I'm not going to tell you what to do. I'm not your dad. Um, but as I said, it, it all makes a difference. And if you haven't already, you can follow the podcast, Out of the Ordinary Podcast, on Instagram. I am there. You can reach me personally there too. Love to hear from you. But until next time, it's goodbye from me. It's goodbye from Laura. And I will see you next time. Thank you.